All right, welcome back, guys. So now a little epi of PBK Perspectives. Uh, I'm joined by a Franciscan legend. Um, I'm a part of the Brothers of Eternal Song household. This guy was my coordinator, a.k.a. like our president of the household. Um, his dad's Chris O'Berry. You might know who that is. This guy's just an all-around legend, man. Um, he's holding it down in Dallas, Texas. Kyle O'Berry, thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, legend may be selling it a little high, but I did make sure to wear a Franciscan polo. Oh, I pointed the wrong way. The mirror camera got me. The Franciscan polo to try to like emphasize the connection. But yeah, Kyle O'Bear, uh, son of Chris O'Bear, I did not think he was going to pull that one out. So you got that on me. <laughs> I had to, man. I had to. That's a, that's a good old joke. Me and Paul, his little brother, like to throw at each other. Chris O'Bear, the man on fire, John Spawn, you guys know. <laughs> It's a classic. Um, but if you guys have watched, you know, a few of these episodes, Jake Gaduti, who we had on for the first PPK perspective, Christian, we had on with with the boys along with Danny and Will. Those two guys were also in um, the Brothers of Eternal Song. We were all intense together. Kyle was our he was our leader, man. He was like our spiritual father back then. It was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Once again, I think that's selling me a little high. You know, I could tell the story of how, uh, what your impression was to the older guys in the household, you and Christian specifically, because they were funny. How, yeah, yeah, you, do you, let's, let's do you do know that. this? Let's do it. Let's do All it. right. So let, let's set the scene. So at this point, I'm a senior on campus. And you got to understand that, yes, I was pretty cool in college. I was popular. But it was Franciscan cool and popular. Very different from normal cool and popular. Franciscan cool and popular means you can be a scrawny white guy who, like, talks with a high voice because it's Franciscan. It's like it doesn't mean anything. But uh, <clears throat> we somehow I landed in the cool household and I was, like, in charge. So, like, it was sweet. But I knew I had to fight to maintain because I knew that it was a ruse. And eventually people would find it out unless I, like, snared freshman in so me and my roommate this kid by the name <coughs> gosh i'm coughing up a storm joe hughes we were like all right we're gonna find the coolest freshman and we see uh we see this kid he's like shorter you know he's like not white which is very rare at franciscan and he's walking around which just like fits all day and like i see him one time with like this i don't know <clears throat> forgive me if I'm wrong, I think it was a North Face jacket, shorts, and like this beanie that was like so small, it was like a yarmulke, and I was like, Joe, this would be, is a ridiculous outfit, but he's just working it, I don't get it, I don't get it, and we were like watching him from a window, we're like, alright, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna find a way to get him, and then there was this other kid, Christian Sauer, who wore just like these insane pants, because Franciscan is like three years behind the style curve, and Christian and you operate like one or two years ahead, so I'm dealing with like a five-year gap. Like I, I, I didn't even understand it. And we called Christian like hype Christian for like months <laughs> before he came to a commitment. And we bullied Peter Laville. We like made him bring him out. Then we made Christians like, yeah, I know that Miko guy. Like, oh, you gotta bring him. And we just thought, y'all, we're like so cool. And we were like, man, this is so tough to be a senior and like looking to the freshman for outfit inspo. That is not where any senior wants to be. But that's where we were. Yeah, we had such a fun time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, no, it is such an amazing experience overall. I remember, I'll, I'll end with this one on that story. I remember Pat Tolley was making uh, some comment that I was a metrosexual. So that was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a good one. But anyways, we got some fresh icebreakers to throw at kyle i've done the movie thing i've done that uh if you could have any car i want me and me and kyle we bonded over over sports and basketball in particular a lot and kyle i want you to share with the people your hottest basketball take you can give us right now my hottest basketball take all right all right right now if i'm starting a team right now and i have a choice between john morant who i think is a star and Zion Williamson, I am still taking Zion. Zion put on 27 on ridiculous efficiency. John Moran is a turnstile on defense. He's cool. He's cool. I get it. The record what the Grizzlies had with him out was just nuts. I'm not saying he's a net negative like some people like to say. I'm not saying that. I think he's a superstar. But I think Zion Williamson is that guy. And I think the Pels are going to prove it with him leading the charge this year. That's my hot oh, take. Wow. I completely, the whole time, until the, you said, until, until you said the word, the Pels, I forgot that you were a Pels guy. Um, yeah, like I'm, a, take, I'm a complete Pelicans homer. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to take, um, I, I would probably go with Job, but I like what you said about the defense that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and then you're right. I mean, Desmond Bain was carrying that team every time that he was, he was hurt. Okay, here's my next one, though. Speaking of Saints. We're gonna we're gonna act like let's let's picture we put Saints into Street Fighter, okay? 
All right. <laughs> All right. So maybe Padre Pio, he's got some, you know, kind of Iron Man thing coming out of his, his uh, stigmata and whatever we got going on. Um, and there's a saint that obviously is connected to our household. Let's say we put him in Street Fighter. Who are you choosing as your guy that you're going to start spamming all the buttons to try to win? All right, if I'm spamming, I'm going to go with a little bit of a hotter take because Joey Coop can fly, and that's that's tough. That's tough. Padre Pio can bilocate, but that means he can hit be hit twice. I don't know if I want that. Okay. I'm going with uh, St. Polycarp, the guy that got like eaten by the lions but like didn't die. Like I'm thinking I'm just going to spam with this high defense stat and I'm just going to like get into the mud. I'm going to get up close and Polycarp I'm I'm going to ride him to victory, I think. I don't even want to I don't want to comment on it cuz that's way too good and I don't know how you came up with that in that short of time. <laughs> Anyways, we were referring to Joey Coop, that's St. Joseph Cupertino if you guys didn't know. Um okay, with that, I think that was it. Uh, that was probably one of our best intros we've had. Kyle, tell us about who you are, your story, your little conversion, all that good stuff. Yeah, so um Kyle O'Bear, I'm the second oldest of five kids. It's a, it's a pretty standard suburban conversion, right? You know, you grow up in your big Catholic family. And we went to Mass every Sunday, but like I like to say that like there were three things we did every Sunday, though. Like we went to Mass, we ate Popeye's chicken, and we watched the New Orleans Saints game. And like growing up, those were all equally important. Because we didn't never miss Mass, but we also did not miss the Saints game. That was just not how it worked. And it wasn't until I was a freshman, going to my freshman year of high school, I went to the Pines Catholic Camp. It's a big summer camp down in Texas where I experienced adoration for the first time and totally fell in love with Jesus Christ. But when you commit to a life change at like 13, however old you are, it lasts like a week. And pretty soon I was kind of back to my old ways, but I tried to pray on my own, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. And it wasn't until going into my like senior year of high school, like two big change happened. One, our church got this guy, Edmund Mitchell, who's a podcast. I'm definitely going to talk about that a little bit later. He showed up and he was this young youth minister who was cool. He was on fire. He'd gone to Franciscan, just, just a rock star. And I also developed a crush on a girl in youth group. So like, Two huge things. Like, what inspires men on more than, like, wanting to impress a woman and, like, other men calling them on? Like, I had the one-two punch. So I start, uh, I start going to the youth group, and that was big because I had gone to Catholic school my entire life up through college, and I was catechized very well as far as understanding of the faith. But it wasn't until I really met Edmund and for the first time at youth group, because I could always coast by just because I knew the answers. Like, you don't have to answer the deep question about your life if you know all the intro questions. No one's going to look at you. But he was the first guy to ever really challenge me in my faith. And that, that was really big for me. And I also, uh, I mean, I wanted to impress the girl. And she was super holy. She wound up going to Franciscan. She was like one of those TTM girls that just like mm. prays more than she sleeps. Just like a beast. But uh, getting to college was when I really matured because dating this girl, she was really like quiet and reserved and very holy. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. No, that's a spectacular thing. But I didn't really get it through my thick noggin until college that to be holy doesn't mean to be like this one archetype of like the silent monk, right? And it was getting to college and seeing the household system at Franciscan, which is like this fraternity and sorority-esque groups of, you know, men and women. And seeing that they were all like so radically different in that they were all holy. And then it was like, well, this should have been more obvious to me because you think about the lives of the saints and that's what's so cool is that none of them are the same. They're all so radically different. And it was in joining our household, the brothers, which was like loud, fun, good dudes. that I realized like, oh, I can be holy, but like still be funny. Like I can be holy and still talk a lot of smacks, like sarcastically. I can be holy and do all these fun things. I don't have to just be a Carthusian monk in my, in my room forever. But yeah, I had a great time at college. Really, really had a blast. Graduated. I work for a Theology of the Body nonprofit now. So we're trying to spread TOB. It's a lot of, about a lot more than just marital stuff. People don't realize that. We're trying to change it. So if you didn't know that, I'm counting that as a, as a big one for anyone listening to the pod. I like the youth minister aspect of it because I think it kind of translates a little bit to sort of like what makes a good leader and then also, you know, your role as a coordinator, which doesn't seem like a big thing to a lot of people who don't understand household life, but as you did two years and sort of when you're in charge of a group of guys, especially 
like the ones that we have can get a little bit on the rowdier side in a little bit uh, more, a little bit more fun than we should be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the truth. I think there's, I think there's a good, good thing there. Like, how do you, how do you balance that? So I'd say there's a two part question, right? There's first one. Why was someone like Ed Mitchell? Why did he resonate with you so much? Because I think there's a lot of min- youth ministers that try and they're trying to have, you know, they're having the struggle in between. Like, how can I kind of not stoop low, but meet kids where they are without losing who I am as a, an adult Catholic adult who yeah. has to bring them up. And then there's like the second part of the question, which is, you know, how do you go about leading a group of people that are exactly your age? You know, maybe me and you were three years apart or whatever it may be. And, um, do it in the same level of like, Hey, I know I'm one of them, but they also have to respect me as the leader of this household who has to lead by example and do the other stuff. And also like slap people on some wrists sometimes, you know, there's, you know, ah. we've had our fair share of bad apples in households. Everyone does. So yeah. How do you go about answering those two? So the first one I would say what I really respected about Edmonds was first of all, this is going to be a little cliche, but the guy was holy and I knew it. And so did everyone else. Like you can tell when talking to someone, whether they walk the walk or not. Holiness isn't like basketball where you can look at a box score, but you can still tell in a pretty similar way. And it was evident by having a conversation with this guy that he had something I didn't have and he had something that I wanted. The second thing Edmund did is that he actually listened to me. And I'm not saying the last guy didn't listen. The last guy didn't give a crap. But the way he would look me in the eye and ask me, like, what kind of music I was listening to nowadays? And he would listen to it and he would actually do it because he would come back the next week and be like, hey, you said these three bands this one stunk. That one was worse, but this one was awesome. And I liked it. And he was honest with me. So just those basic building blocks of a relationship, I think he did exceptionally well. And I think he commanded some respect in my mind because he gave me, he treated me differently from other kids, not in a preferential way, but he didn't just treat every kid and give them the exact same cookie cutter. This is it. Because I knew more about my faith than the other kids. He didn't need to spend any time explaining to me, like, this is why Catholics believe X. Because I knew that. So he could then instead focus on, like, what's on your heart, right? It's a little cliche to sound, but it was, it was what I needed at the time. So I think that individualized attention along with the listening and just being a guy who commanded respect because he walked the walk. And in terms of being coordinator, I decided to run my my sophomore year because household was not really in a good spot and i was planning on this is going to sound like i'm throwing shade miko i was planning on going to the heights and retiring that was my exact quote i said look i lived on wing i'm going to the heights i'm going to i just got involved in sets which is like service evangelization networking team it's this thing where franciscan students would go and put on confirmation retreats at other parishes and i loved it i'd done it for the first time put on two retreats it's like this is the best thing in the world I'm going to be a scent guy. I'm going to be an house. I'm going to show up to commitments, but like I'm, I'm going to do scent every semester for the rest of my college career. I'm going to lead a team. I'm going to be just rocking into this because household stinks. Everyone's an alcoholic and I'm done with it. And I told this to my big brother, this guy by the name of Paul Nord, one of the holiest guys I've ever met. And he said, sorry, like you're soft. I was like, well, what do you mean, Paul? He said, look, like if you see a, do you care about household? Well, of course I love household. So you see a fire in household and your response is to like run away. He's like, he told me, he's like, man, like if, if you care about something, you run into the fire. You don't run away. If a McDonald's is burning that you're eating lunch at, you run away. But if your house is burning and your kids are inside, you run in. And he said, look, you just got to decide what, if you care about household or not. And I said, all right, well, guilt trip of the year. Fine. I'll run for coordinator. And then that summer, we did, a, we did this college Bible study at my parish, and I didn't really go often. In fact, I went like never because I was working I was working a job. I think I had like an internship or something, and they just would schedule everything like during the work day. I was like, this is a scam. Like do it, you know, on a Thursday night or something like every other Bible study. But I managed to go one time, and they said, all right, well, this is your first one. And I knew all the people well. They said, you got to do the reflection. I was like, all right, well, send me the verse. And it was uh, I think it's Matthew 27 or maybe 17. It's the one with the talents. And I remember just looking at this gospel and reading it and thinking, those of you who don't know, it's all about, you know, you receive these talents from the Lord. You can either bury them in the sand or you can grow them. And I thought, all right, 
if I'm going to do this coordinator thing, I'm going to bury all my talents in it. And my main strategy was, was simple. It was like to be a great coordinator, to be a great leader, you need to be a couple of things, right? You need to be really organized. I was like, all right, I'm not that organized, but I'll figure it out. You need to have a daily prayer life. I was like, all right, I can do that. But you also can't always depend on consolation from the Lord. Mother Teresa is holier than either of you, either of me or you, or probably anyone listening to this, no offense team. And she went through decades of spiritual isolation, right? I was like, all right, I can trust in the Lord, but I also got to make a plan. I decided that I was going to love household so much that no one would ever be able to like call me out on it. Because it's this group of men. And like within a group of men, it's always cool to like the thing you both like more. Like if Miko, if you and I were both Pelicans fans, it's cool if I can say, oh, I watched all the games last year. Whereas you could might say, oh, I watched most of them. Like it's cool to do that. And it's natural to try to challenge someone on it. Like, yeah, we both like the NBA. You probably know a little bit more about me and it's cool that you do. I wish I knew a little more. But I said, no one's ever going to be able to call me out on this household thing. So I'm going to go to every commitment. I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to do all of it. And everyone on campus is also going to know it. And I'm going to just work so hard that it won't be a question was the thinking. So I did it for a, a year. I was planning on not doing it a second year because who would want to do such a thing? Being coordinator is very tough, right? Because you struggle in your friendships. It's it's not as tough with the kids in the grades below you because, yeah, it's only a year, two years, three years, but it's something. But it's really, and it's not even as tough with the kids in the grades above you, which was surprising to me because it felt like kind of business. Like, you know, I got to do this. But it was really tough with uh, the kids in my grade. Like uh, like my buddy Mike, you know, Mike, it was, it was tough with him. But I, so I was like, all right, I did it for a year. But then unfortunately for me, we had a retreat and Father Don was this old priest we had. This guy was old as heck, spoke in a garbled voice, had a toupee, just the man. Just the man. I didn't really sell him as the man, but he's the man. And he's reading the gospel, Miko, and he read the wrong readings. Like he read it for like the wrong year, which is hard to do. I've been to a lot of masses in my life. I've never seen that happen. Yes, it was Father Don, but he read the gospel of the talents. He read Matthew's gospel of the talents. And I saw that. I was like, I am not, I think a lot of Catholics are like way too superstitious with signs. I'm not one of those people. But I was like, that's, that's clear as day. If people want you to do some, uh, to do this thing that you took inspiration from, from a specific passage in the gospels again, and a priest screws up, does the reading, doesn't notice it till he's done. I was like, all right, that's, that, that's clear as day. So it was e very easy then to do it the next year. I mean, it was difficult, but it was easy to make that decision because I knew I was doing it for people I really cared about. And I also knew that there was a role for it at Franciscan because Franciscan, there's a lot of kids who go there who have already figured it out, who figured it out when they were young. And I just couldn't help but feel like there needs to be a group of men for those guys who maybe, yeah, your parents made you go here and you don't want to be at Franciscan and you're rough around the edges and you don't really know if you believe. Well, we can't just throw that kid aside. That kid's got a soul that's just as important as yours or mine and that kid needs a household more than anyone else. So it felt, it felt really right. I was really happy in household. The man tried to take us down, but you know, we survived. No, that's a great, that's a great segue. I think brothers is so, it's such a great, sort of symbol for the church, especially at this point, right? Because we have so many people who are like, this is what happened at Brothers too. It's like you can point to like some of the guys who maybe don't have it figured out as well as some other people do, right? Or maybe they're struggling yeah. with some some sins that you're not. And we could point to these people in the way that we can point to scandalous priests, you know, although they're in the very, very, very minority, we like to point out to them, oh, look at this issue, look at this issue, look at you guys. And I remember when we're talking to you, right? I think us as intense, we were pretty mature. I mean, the ones that survived, yeah. you know, we, we, we were sat <laughs> yeah. down with you, Kyle, and we were like, hey, there's a lot of issues that we see. And what you would do an awesome job is, is like sharing with us the truth about our pillars or like the charisms or really what it meant to, you know, wear green and all this kind of stuff. And I think it's like the same way of like, you know, you don't, you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. And there's a lot of these parallels, I think, with the church of like, here's what we're actually about. There's going to be people who obviously don't live it out in the right way or don't stand by it or don't hold it with any true conviction. And so there's a lot of parallels there that I really like. And 
you did a great job always of like meeting each person where they were, you know, and then everyone was fully aware that Kyle was a coordinator on campus, you know, like he was you know, very loud and proud about this stuff. But it's also like if you had a conversation, he wasn't pushing you on it. And we all try to do the same thing. Hey, here's where we are. You know exactly the guys that are in, right? We're all friends with you. You know what we're about. You know how proud we are to do this. And the rest of it can only be left up to you. And I think right. that's a good, that's a really good way to, to do, to handle, I don't know, anytime you're trying to bring someone within a community. And it's the same thing with the church. There's a lot of people like, yeah, you should go out and say something. But it's important to meet people where they are. Show them the truth about what you believe in or the community that you're in. And then also sort of like give them the space to reflect on that and see. Because the thing is, is like once you go into a household and it's really meant to be, you can see like, wow, they have something that I want, like you're saying with Edmund. And that's the same way with the church. That's how we should be. Wow, they have something that I want. We're not, you know, putting a sign in their face, but we're meeting them exactly where they are. We're saying, we're not, you know, whimpering. We're saying true to what the church teaches and our convictions. And then we leave it at that kind of thing. Or as Jake likes to say on our first episode, you just don't be weird. So those are your two <laughs> options. You could do a really deep thing or you could just not be weird, which Kyle did in both of those stories. And it's just like asking a girl out. Like you're not going to be weird and tell them you absolutely really need to do this. You really, really need to go out with me. But you're also going to be clear. Like, if you're going to ask someone out, you're going to tell them, look, I, I think this is good. I think we should do this, right? And he definitely shouldn't be weird. <laughs> exactly right. And that gives us, okay, girls, household, this is a perfect segue to something I really wanted. This is going to be an exciting one, I think. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I want the Kyle O'Bear Guide to Franciscan. It's like Ned B's classified whatever it was, Guide <laughs> to High School type thing, right? So we're going to take Kyle O'Bear's Guide to Franciscan, give us the ins and outs, what you should be prepared for, all, right. all that kind of stuff. So the first thing you're going to want to do, right? We're going to, this is going to be a little bit of a male-centric guide because I don't know what it's like to be a woman. But if you're a guy, if I'm you, I'm going to make sure I'm on campus, meaning I'm not going to be on that lower campus like scam dorm mm. thing because Franciscan has like maybe four dorms on top of this hill. And below the hill, they have this really nice hotel, but and it's very comfortable, but no. You don't go to Franciscan because it has good dorms. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You go to Franciscan, even though it has crappy dorms. I spent four years in a dorm without air conditioning voluntarily. You do it because of the community. And I think that's the first thing to really realize is like, why are you doing this? The second thing I would say is, if you think you're cool, you're not. By virtue of going to Franciscan, none of us were cool. That's just the absolute fact of it. I don't care how good you are at sports. I don't care if you're a good player. Even if you play for the Franciscan sports, you play D3. You're not cool. That's just how it works. So that's a part of my advice, guys, is drop the ego. No one cares, and you shouldn't either. This is a niche note, but if you're a sophomore, by credit, you're a freshman. If you come in for your first year to high school and you're a junior by a credit, you are also a freshman. No one likes it when people say that. It's never once made someone go, wow, that's interesting in the history of the planet. And then I think the other advice, once you start to get a little more serious, is to recognize that, yeah, you made it to Franciscan, but St. Peter doesn't just check for a diploma at the gate, right? It's not enough to be like, oh, no, I went to like this crappy school. You don't get it. It was in Steubenville. No, that's, that's not enough. And while you go to Franciscan, yes, you are kind of starting holiness on like second base. They don't count runs till you hit home plate, right? So that would be to really important to recognize that, yes, it's like sick that there's a chapel in your dorm. But if you're not going often, there's, there's, no, there's no point. Like you're just, you're just kind of like doing this cosplay as a Catholic thing. And then uh, I would also recommend for social media for everybody to tell – because there is a lot to be said for evangelizing on your personal social media. Because even the most franny, sheltered Catholic there is probably has a few non-Catholic followers. So there's a lot to be said for being a witness. But my advice would be, especially as a freshman, just be intent. Like, think about why you're doing what you're doing. Because I just saw a lot of, I mean, maybe it's just because I would call any household that wasn't brothers, like the Pharisee household. I did it for like all of them. <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm a hater, but keep that in mind. Let's see. What are some other advice? Yeah. Franny is, uh, it's not that difficult if you're a business major, but it's a double-edged sword because it's easy, 
but then you're not really going to be prepared for a lot of jobs. <laughs> so, you know, keep that in mind. It's a smart idea to actually try to learn some skills, even if it's not a lot. But if you re if you like wake up halfway through your junior year and realize that like this is all kind of stuff I, sh I did in high school, you can decide to coast for another year and a half and have a lot of fun. Or you can like try to learn like two useful things that'll help in a job interview. I'd, I'd really recommend that. Uh, join a household. I don't. No one's too cool for households. Not everyone needs a household, but everyone can join. Everyone can benefit from one. And they're, they're so much fun. Like they're a blast. And then uh, if you walk out of there and you don't have at least one intramural sports championship, like you did something wrong. You gotta you gotta find a way to get into the game. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, one last note. When you go to Franciscan, people tell you don't date freshman fall. All people will tell you that. It's common advice. Mm -hmm. I dated a girl freshman fall, got my heart shattered. I still recommend it, though. It's really good in life to date someone. Just get your heart broke. It stinks. You grow up. You figure it out. Like, you're not going to die. Like, go date a girl. I'm not saying do something stupid like go have premarital sex, but go date a girl. Like, Take her out on a date. Tell your yeah. parents you really like her, even though you've known her for three weeks and it's not going to work. Like, there's people always think that, like, when I, because I'll say that, like, go make mistakes. Like, I don't always, I don't mean go sit. I mean, like, if you're not sure how to approach someone about the faith and you really just don't know if you'll ever be ready, like, take, go walk on the water, go try. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You embarrass yourself. All right, learn from it. Like, I think it's important to not be so scared of failure. We, like, prevent ourselves from, like, reaching to greatness, you know? Yep. Yeah, no. I think those are all valid. I would agree with, actually, every single one of them, probably. I think a good point, like, I like to bring up with Jake, and then when we had on, you know, the homies, uh, the Prod Brother collab podcast. Those guys it's a lot of like, so funny. It, I mean, it's a lot of, like, you're going to... You're going to get out what you put in. I mean, that's what Franciscan is. It's like the, the culmination of getting out what you put in. You can literally be, like, the most rebellious goon of all Catholics on, on campus, but you're still like the, you're, you're the rebellious goon of like Franciscan. So it means that yeah. you're actually still like, a it doesn't mean outside. anything. <laughs> so it means that still means that you go to confession. It's just like once a month instead of like every week. And then you still go to mass. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not really that, but still regardless, it's like, you know, we knew a lot of people, something that we'd say in, in household was like, dude, if you can't go to these commitments here while you have 30 guys with you and you have literally 18 chapels at your disposal and then you think you're going to do it outside of school when you graduate and have kids and a family and a job like it's just not going to happen so it's a good test i think to see like hey if you're practicing here it's not always going to translate but you know it could help it's kind of like the g league now you know it's like if you do well yeah. there you're probably going to do pretty well in the nba but it's not always guaranteed um i don't have a good segue to this next one wish i did but uh, if you know Kyle, you know me, Kanye's, you know, he's a big figure <laughs> for us, I think. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to attack it. You know, there's a lot of different ways to attack Kanye. Um, his music, his clothes, his bipolar disorder, his uh, <laughs> ex-wife and their family. Uh, Pete Davidson, you could throw that one out there. Skeet, but, skeet. <laughs> skeet, yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Skeet's dead anyways. Doesn't matter. But I'm going to throw out this very big umbrella question to you. Why is Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, important? Because I think he has, he has many reasons. But speaking from Kyle Bear, I would say one of the guys I probably respect in terms of the Kanye umbrella, you know, it's like basketball. You know, I hope you come to me if you had a question about yeah. where should I, you know, where should I even begin? Where does this guy go to school? Oh, yeah, Richard Jefferson, Arizona. You know, just random things like that. But I'm going to go, if you want to talk about Kanye, you go to Kyle. Kyle, talk to us. All right, well, if you want to talk about Kanye, what really what I think makes him special is uh, I haven't seen an artist that does narrative albums like Kanye West in the sense that I think a lot of artists have concept albums, and I, I think they're really cool. Like, I think any concept album is cool. But, like, take uh, Logic had an album, I think it was when I was in high school, called The Incredible, the Incredible True Story. Mm -hmm. It was, like, this cool blue, like, little space theme. Mm-hmm. The story is told very directly through like interludes with like this voice thing. And like, that's fine. I'm not a gigantic logic guy, but like, that was a cool album. But then when you look at something like, 
the life of Pablo, where it tells this like incredibly dense story of like three Pablos, like Pablo Escobar, Kanye talking about how he's an artist. Sorry, Pablo Escobar talking about how he struggles with all these crazy things. Pablo Picasso talking about how he's an artist. And then Pablo is in St. Paul talking about his faith and how he's like struggling, choosing between these three facets of his life. And the songs sort of build in a way and finally ending with this like crescendo of like St. Pablo where he's talking about how it's him and his family versus everybody. And I think I love Kanye a lot because it's one of like the takes in my life that I've been the most right about. Like I remember at Franciscan, I wrote this, I wrote this paper on comparing Kanye's like view on life with John Paul II. So JP2 was, was way better. Like part of it was how Kanye was wrong. And I referred to him as a Christian artist in the class. And this was before Jesus is King, for those mm-hmm. of you who are not aware. This was before that. It's a year before that. And they laughed at me. And I obviously I had a comeback plan. I asked some girl, oh, who's your favorite Christian artist? Oh, Chris Tomlin. Oh, is Chris Tomlin ever mentioned like the mass and like the source and some of our faith? Because Kanye mentioned going to mass on late registration, his second album. Like the man's breakout hit was Jesus Walks. Like to act like this is something new. Was it, has it ever been as pronounced as it is now? Oh, of course not. But to act like it's new, you haven't been listening. And I think what a, really appealed to me about Kanye was just hearing about this larger-than-life figure. I think he's the last rock star in America. I think he's the last musical artist. Like, Jay-Z still is, but I'm saying, like, last in his line. That's just bigger than life. That seems almost unreal. It's like Drake is gigantic. Drake is huge. Drake's great. But, like, Drake doesn't have this persona and this air the way Kanye does. Like, like you see memes like Drake the type of guy, too, and it's never cool. It's, like, never exciting. Like, they're funny. He doesn't come off as cool. And Kanye definitely comes off as nuts. But he also comes off as just something different. And I just hear all about this guy. And I didn't really listen to a ton of rap other than, like, Childish Gambino. Because, yeah, I mean, I was a white kid growing up in the early 2010s in a suburb. Of course I listened to Childish Gambino. Like, what? And I, I put on, like, I think it was, it was late registration. Just, like, the first album I saw on Spotify that had a cool cover. And just hearing that, I thought it was going to be, like, gangster rap because I didn't know anything. I was a white kid in the suburbs. And then hearing, like, just this incredible arrangements of all these classic soul songs stitched together, realizing this guy had production skills unlike anyone else. And then just growing and listening to everything and then I remember like being so excited for like the life of Pablo, like this first album. And it's just this ultra light beam plays through my speakers. Miko, I don't know if you know this Kanye, he premieres this album at Madison square garden. I was watching this live stream in Trinity and I heard that ultra light beam song. And I thought this is the greatest Christian song of all time. And it's, and it's not close because I think what people don't get is that people, I, I say, I don't love Christian art. That's modern because I think all the music stinks. People think, oh, you don't like Christian stuff? Like, I don't like Christian stuff. Like, if you've seen everything Michelangelo did, like, if you've seen real stuff, because art depicting Christ, I hold that to a higher standard, not a lower standard. That's what people don't understand is that they're like, oh, well, you can't hold it to the same standard as you do other music. Like, I can't hold a song about Jesus to a higher standard than a song about getting drunk on Friday night. Like, no, that's absurd. I'm holding songs about Christ the Lord to the highest possible standard because that's a subject matter that's important. And hearing Ultralight Beam live, it, it was like the answer that I'd been looking for. That completely locked it in. I got to go to the St. Pablo tour, and I've never seen a tour like that. It's this one with this floating stage. And just like seeing the spectacle there, I just couldn't help but think that there's no one else in the game that's doing this. I, I don't know when the next time will be that we'll see a celebrity like this because I don't know if it ever will happen, right? Because if you think about music today, music today is in a really bad state in my opinion. I, uh, I DJ for a couple of weddings. And the weddings are fine, but I do this high school. And the kids will request a song and then like say skip after a minute because they just listen to songs on TikTok all the time. They hear like the catchy minute clip. And I was like, I, this, I, I remember thinking that that was insane. And I remember thinking, is this how boomers felt when people like didn't listen to albums anymore when they like started listening just to singles? Because maybe this is how boomers felt. But I think music's becoming a lot more individual nowadays. I think the decline of radio in the 
increase of streaming and even on social media, like stuff will trend on social media, but it also was personalized. Like, I don't know if you're on TikTok, Miko, but my for you page on TikTok is curated to me just like yours would be. We would have different things. So things trend in smaller communities, which I think let leads itself to less like defined song of the summer and ultimately less iconic artists. So I don't think it's mm -hmm. crazy to say, I don't know when the next time is we'll see someone who's on that Kanye West level of fame and, and just like notoriety. We'll see someone as skilled as him, I'm sure, because he is very skilled, but there's a lot of people out there. Someone else will make incredible art, I hope. I, I want them to because I want to hear it. But I don't know when the next time is we'll see someone quite like him, which I think just makes him so captivating. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think something that you're pushing to towards, I'm trying to think of people who push the boundaries in an artistic um, music way um, because no one does it, I think, like holistically the way that he does. But it's just in the simple sense of like, there's no two albums that are really the same, not even the same style. Like I, I get for people who don't listen to rap or hip hop, it's like, oh, it's all hip hop. But it's like, it's not though. Like there's so many different, like Childish Gambino to NBA Youngboy, same sort of genre, obviously very two different types of music. So I think even at that point is like, there isn't a lot of people who are going to push that sort of like, where can I go? Drake kind of does it, right? He's trying to do the whole like, you know, you're in Jamaica and you're sipping on a cocktail. Right. Like he'll make that music and then he'll try to go back to like, I'm hard, remember? And then, yeah, uh, he did like a dance album. It was like very yes. house, this last one. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I appreciate, but I think it's like some things are in terms of what you're talking about, like, how are we going to get artists again, right? Like, like true artists. I think you're right. There might be a little decline, but I also want to bring that back to the idea of holistically what Kanye does, which is like push the boundaries further than anyone thinks that they could be. And like, you think that, you know, this is the box of what things could be. And then he's looking at some like, sort of, I don't even know, like hexagon of like, no, actually, you don't see these points of what's going on here. And that's why he's inspired me so much, because I take that way into what we think like ministry could be. Because I think yeah. like, we put it in a certain box of what we think it's going to be youth group, it's life teen, it's music, it's a re relatable young youth minister that can kind of do a little bit of both, right? He can put his foot in both worlds. And it hasn't really gotten us super far. Um, uh. You know, our, our movies are basically, like I said before in the last podcast, it's Mel Gibson or it's a really good saint story. Um, I mean, let's not talk. I mean, The Man for All Seasons was an amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Um, but that was in a time when I think we actually just made good movies all around. So if you brought a Catholic one up, it would just be good as well. Fair enough. Not um, a bad take. Yeah. And, and obviously we had like a world-class actors in that one too. Uh, so I think all around, it's like we're looking at sort of like, I wish we had more people our age asking those questions of like, how can I like sort of like break this mold here and enter it into sort of a new genre, right? I mean, look at the foam runner. Okay. This is a shoe that looks like it belongs on a dinosaur's foot. Everyone roasted it when it came out in 2018. Now everyone's making their same version of it or they're making the same version of his slide or whatever. And those are sort of minuscule examples. But in the big scheme of things, it's like, dude, Kanye has took us all the way from this journey of, you know, Playboy to Cody, Wyoming. I'm going to start making clothes for my own like sheep or lamb or whatever. And we're going to do this whole Jesus King thing to now, you know, whatever the hell he's doing now. But the point is like, he's not this virtue model citizen. It's like, we made this podcast back in the day called why Milo matters. And it's obviously about <laughs> Milo Yiannopoulos. And it's the same thing of like, no, Milo's not this model citizen, but he's someone who's real and authentic and has been very vulnerable about his life yeah. and what he struggled with. And I don't know if it's going to be St. Milo ever. We all hope so. We should be praying that it does happen. Absolutely. But, Pray that everyone I know is the same. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. But, um, you know, it's just, it's good to see some of those people who are raw and vulnerable and then not the people who are, I don't even know, uh, I don't know, 90% of celebrities who just act like they got to figure it out. They want to be on their platform and talk about climate change and everything else. And I think yeah, climate change in the private jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. So anyways, I think, I think Kyle said it beautifully in sort of this music way. And I think there's a way that we can look out and take that even further. But I do want to get into a little bit of media, right? So obviously we're on social media. And then you also produce a show, a podcast yourself. So why don't you, you know, give us a little take on, on what that's all about. Yeah. So the thing with the, uh, with the show is that the show, it's a Catholic podcast, but it's not right. It's four people on it, including myself. We're, we're all Catholic. We're all 
practicing, you know, everyone's going to mass every week, everyone's about it. But we don't tackle a lot of super Catholic topics. It'll happen occasionally. But I think that's the strength of the show. Because there's a lot of really great Catholic podcasts out there that are sort of our demographic where most of us, myself as the exception, are kind of like early 30s. Like like, like Matt Frad's got that on lock, you know. They, they, they've got that. They've got that out there. But rather what we try to be is an authentic just discussion about stupid stuff. But with the caveat of like trying to keep it centered in the truth, which I think is cool. And I think it's a little bit of a different niche in the sense that, because it it's real. Like think about it, Miko, like you're a very Catholic guy. You probably have a lot of Catholic podcasts you listen to, but I bet you also like non-Catholic pods. Like you mentioned Joe Rogan when we were talking before. We can try to be that. Are we as interesting as Joe Rogan? No. Are our guests as good as Joe Rogan's? No, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't mean there's not room for us. And, you know, we get some listeners, not a ton of them, but I like producing it. It's kind of fun because you get to quarterback it a little bit as the producer in the sense of, like, we'll make our little notes and go over them. Every once in a while, they're like, yeah, these are like these four Instagram reels I thought were hilarious. And I'm like, no, no one's ever watched a podcast and thought, this is sick. They're reacting to Instagram reels. That's, that's stupid. So it feels fun to have a little bit of like editorial control. And I like the people on the show a lot. So it's, it's a good time. The show with Edmund Mitchell, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, no, I think that is, there is a good niche for that. And I think there's a lot of niches we haven't explored as Catholics because we're too scared and we think that we can't do anything other than like, you know, the DMC and Rosary, which is like, yeah, you should be focusing on that. And that brings me to my favorite, I think, uh, sort of topic I invented. I gave Kyle a little teaser before and I'm calling it the Matt Frad Dilemma. I'm, I'm really proud of the name. I'm if, so if pumped to hear this. If you're listening, I'm smiling really hard. So you brought up a good point. Um, I, I like to listen to other podcasts. The two that I love to listen to the most are Bill Simmons podcast and the Ryan Russillo podcast. These Dude, you're a Bill guy. Simmons guy. I, I kind of hate them, but I love them at the same time. These are two guys that like, mostly dealing with basketball. I don't really listen for anything else. But they've opened up my mind to something to basketball places I've never been before. And it's like made me feel sophisticated in my basketball takes now. And now I feel like when I talk to the regular laymen about basketball, I'm like, yeah, here's the thing though. We can talk, but we're just on two different playing fields. You know what I mean? I'm a Catholic. You're non-denominational. We just, there's a lot of depth to me. There's not a whole lot to you. That's kind of how I feel a little bit. Right. <laughs> and then I almost get in this mode of like, dude, these guys are so good at what they do. Cause they're, I mean, they're professional. So these guys have been writing for over, you know, three decades, or whatever, maybe yeah. two decades. They know they'll change they know the sports writing game. And I truly believe that. Yes. And I think nobody can talk. I like what the ringer does with KOC and some of the other guys. I don't think anyone will top them as a basketball podcast guys. Couldn't Although, agree more. I, I'm very enticed by the fact of me, Kyle and Christian all hanging on a podcast, talking about basketball. It, it really does. It tickles me a little bit, but I have a hard time. That brings me to my Matt Frad dilemma. Cause Matt Frad has often said, I think you're better off reading a book. I think you're better off reading Imitation of Christ, reading the, the Church Fathers, reading St. Augustine Confessions. And I think he's right, but I think we can kind of over or underestimate sort of who we reach, right? Here at World of Blades, I have a classic joke called Nobody Watches Us. But the thing is, I also underestimate the one or two or three or 50 people that get really get something from this podcast and we make a positive impact on their life. It's not to the same extent as Matt Frad, who has over 230,000 subscribers, but sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, they everyone would be better off. Me, Kyle, everyone watching, you guys would be better off sitting and reading Thomas Aquinas. It, it's hard to do for a lot of people. And there's a certain thing that we can sort of break down the faith and put it in these different ways. There's conversations heard on Matt Frad's podcast that I would never hear. It's like an elevated version of when you're drinking a beer on the porch at someone's house at Franciscan. It's like you're there, but not quite there. There's a lot of depths and layers to it. And so it invites people to a place that they'll never, ever see. There's a lot of people who don't have friends that can challenge them in these conversations that Matt Frad holds. So I see both sides. Social media is very saturated. It's very annoying to be in a Catholic ministry doing Instagram and feeling like you have to somehow master the algorithm when at the end of the day, you're trying to spread the word and it shouldn't be about like, are reels popping or are they not? It should it just be about the truth being the truth? And then there's also this point of like, are they, are they as important as we want them to be? You know, shouldn't we just be encouraging people to read and all this kind of stuff? It's a tough question, but I'm not here to answer it. Kyle is. So talk to us about it. Well, I think the first thing I would say 
to that is that God wants all of our talents, right? And Miko, could you ever write a book as good as anything Thomas Aquinas could do left-handed while sleeping? No. But what would Thomas Aquinas do if he sat in your chair? He'd probably have a stroke looking at the TV that's going on, right? And the facts are the facts that you weren't, you were born a pretty smart guy, so was I. We weren't born with Aquinas intellects. But the fact of the facts that we were born at this time, and we were born with some ability to talk to people and a desire to do that. And yeah, maybe we don't know the exact best way. Is it reels or videos or whatever, YouTube shorts, whatever the crap trending is now. But I think what's very important is this idea of, you know what, I'm not entirely sure. I think my best plan is this. I think it's the social media. I think it's this world of blaze. I think it's the show. I think it's Tobit. And I am going to run at it. Like, yeah, I don't know all the answers, but I just hate the idea of the analysis paralysis because I just... I, I, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big imperfect contrition guy. I try real hard to be perfect. But at the end of the day, I always think about that conversation with St. Peter and I never want to have to tell him because I just try to think, what would my excuse sound like if I do this? And if it is, I tried really hard on social media. I busted my butt. I don't know if I ever reached anybody, but I can tell him, look, I gave him my all. And I, he believed me because it's true. Or if I said, yeah, I just encourage a lot of people to read this book because I thought, like, that's better than, than me anyways. Like, what? That, I don't know if that would fly, right? But, yeah, I think that everyone has a part to play. And I also think that reading Thomas Aquinas is pretty high-level stuff. Just like, like I listened to – I don't listen to Bill a lot. I listened to Bill Simmons. He ranked all the NBA players by trade value. It was a couple weeks back. Great pot. That pot doesn't work if you don't know anything about the NBA. If I told someone, hey – you want to get into basketball. Listen to this hour and a half podcast ranking every player. It's like top 64 players in the league by trade value, not by skill, by trade value. So it's a different discussion. They would think that that was the stupidest thing ever. They would not think that that's great because the facts are they need to start liking basketball with something small and that is kind of stupid, like watching a highlight dunk mixtape to a rap song. That is we can both agree as guys who really like basketball that 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 doesn't give you much depth. It doesn't give you much context to the dunks. Like uh, Jackson Hayes has a great dunk mixtape. Jackson Hayes is not a great player, but if you just watch the dunk tape, you might think he is. He's good. He's talented. They play him at the four. It's good, but it's an entry. It's an entryway, and those people were entryways to me getting into sports. Right, like seeing those vids growing up. That was cool, and now I know a little more, so I can experience the good stuff. And I think that the content we make, I don't really think it matters a ton where it is on that spectrum of really intro level, really basic to kind of where you guys are at, which seems to me it's not quite super intellectual, but it's definitely like a notch above your like standard baseline Catholic stuff. Like wherever you are, I think that there's a, a spot for it. And I also think that people are dumb, but they're not that dumb. Like, I don't think anyone's ever accidentally gone on YouTube and clicked, like, different ways that the man's, zone, like, the zone defense banned the NBA, impacted the offensive game after, like, going to one game with their dad and been like, no, no, they watch what they're interested in. I think people are good enough to find it. So, mm. yeah, I think you guys are rocking, essentially. It's a long-winded way to say that I think what y'all are doing makes perfect sense within a person's life. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think... That's I like that last point too. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna stumble your way into looking at priest prophet king or like or whatever you yeah. look up three regular brown guys talking about faith. Like whatever you get, however you get to this podcast. Like you, I I know it's it's not by accident. And um, no, I think I, I I feel the same way. I think there is a spot for everybody, but I think it has to be like a genuine calling in some way towards it. Yeah, like the reason why. I hesitate with the basketball. Like I think, I think you guys would. Maybe you wouldn't. I know me, Kyle, and Christian would all really enjoy it. And we could throw in a couple. You know, we can throw in a Luke Strat. We can throw in some of these guys that all know their little basketball. I think we'd have a good time. I just don't want to become too distracting towards things, right? And it's like, yeah, if you listen to basketball podcasts, maybe it would be better. If you listen to Catholic basketball podcasts, it can just get really sort of slippery in that way. And I, think, I think that is a good take. And I think, I think it's just important. Like if you do have that calling, I don't want to shy anyone away from doing what you feel like you're called to do. I would say just make sure you do feel called to it. I don't like the idea too much of, Hey, 
these people are doing it. Why can't I? Because that's how we come out with the movies that we do. They go, hey, they're making movies. Why can't we make a movie? And then we get God's Not Dead as our best movie that's ever happened, you know? So <laughs> I think, like, just really be intentional about it. Give it some thought. I've given, as you can tell, I've been giving this basketball podcast thing a lot, a lot of thought. We'll see if it happens one day. But Oh, do yeah, you want to hear... You want to hear my three-level scorer analogy I use for my faith? Yeah, yeah, let's hear this one. Yeah, this is one I like a lot. So for those of you who don't know, like, if you're a three-level scorer as a basketball player, that means you can score, like, right up by the basket. You can get to the paint. You can lay it up. You can dunk it. It means you can score from, like, the mid-range, right? So, like, not quite a three, but a little bit deeper. And you can score from three. And, like, not every great player is a three-level scorer. Not every great player needs to be a three-level scorer, which is why I think this analogy works. Not everyone's called to do all three. Not everyone needs to. But I want to be a three-level scorer. Everyone. Like, I do. I, I, I absolutely do. And so the way I try to accomplish it is, like, I just became infatuated with this idea of three-level scoring. Because I had heard the phrase a couple of years ago, but I read some, like, long article about, like, Brandon Ingram while he has the potential to be elite, whatever. And I was like, all right, how can I be a three-level scorer? Like, what category of my life can I fix this to? Because I think this is so cool. And I decided the faith. And so what I was going to do was I was going to be, like, the paint. I was going to be a personal witness of Christ every single day in my own life. I was like, number one, it's got to be me. Like, I, I got to be holy. And then I think also, like, my sister, brother-in-law, and my nephew, because I live with them. That, to me, felt like level one. And for level two, it's like, oh, how can I do outreach to, like, my local community? Because that feels, like, close. So I was like, all right, I'm going to volunteer. So I spent the last three years, like two nights a week, I volunteer at our youth group because do I think that the youth ministry model is the most effective? No, I definitely don't. I don't think it's perfect. But I think there's something to be said for paying respect to your personal roots. Is youth ministry worked for the church as a whole, this model, and that led us to increase our numbers now? But it got me. So it's going to have me as a volunteer. Like, I think that's fair. I can rag on as much, but the facts are... If I didn't have a nice Franciscan guy who was like young and normal. I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have gone to school there. So at least I know I got to show up. I don't always tell other people they got to do it, but I know I have to. And then working with Tobit, doing like national outreach. And I think it's like a surprisingly accurate model. And I don't talk to a lot of people about the faith and basketball in like one conversation. So I was like, oh, I got to tell Mika this. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Actually, I think that's a really, that's a really, really, really good place to be because I think it's hard. You can, I think when we talk about the faith and um, maybe someone who's doing ministry or like, you know, one day maybe we'll be quote unquote successful, which is uh, a really tough thing. I don't like to attribute to ministry. Um, but you can sort of like get in that mindset of like, oh, I'm doing these things because God calls me to it, right? I trust it. I do these things. Then you have the guys who inevitably have to be janitors just to survive or they have yeah. to be whatever it's going to be, whatever, you know, uh, they work at a restaurant or whatever, they're, they're a server, whatever it's going to be. It's not glorious. And it's important to like also not take it in this way of like, we're not, we're not a prosperity gospel. It's like you have a certain role to play, but your first one, as Kyle was saying, is like so the people immediately right next to you. It's people that you see walking down the street, secondly. And then thirdly, there's not a lot of, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people are shooting threes, but not that many are super reliable. <laughs> and or, sh or should get those shots. Like Shaquille <laughs> yeah. O'Neal, all-time basketball player, probably top five ever. Maybe. That's a little bit of a hot take. Top no. t five most talented. Top five most yeah. talented. We'll go with that easy take. Yeah. That man never took threes, and he shouldn't. But he was so good at one and two that it didn't matter. And mm -hmm. honestly, if you're so good in your personal life and ministering to your family and your local community, that's enough. You're you're doing it. Yep. And like it, it's it's that it's that simple, people. And mm -hmm. I think I think you're right. I think it's everybody wants to do the national thing because it's cool and it's sexy. Everyone and like, wants to be Steph Curry, dude. Everyone wants to pull up from deep. It's it. I get it. Like I get it. It is cool, but it's not. It's not nearly as important if you're not doing one and two, like you shouldn't do three. Like it doesn't no, it doesn't make 100%. any sense. I mean, we can both agree the best player in the game right now is Giannis. And that yeah. shot is it needs work. And then <laughs> you also I'm, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going with this analogy, even though no one else understands this except me and you. And I'm just gonna keep pushing on it. There's a player who is at one point might have been the best player and best point guard in the league, and that name that guy's name was Rondo. Right. This is one. perfect analogy for this. He, he had one and a little bit of two, like halfway two in terms of distributing though. But he was right there in his community, baby. 
He was feeding KGs. He made Kendrick Perkins look halfway decent. <laughs> He's feeding a lot of guys. Old Ray Allen, old part mm-hmm. Pierce, dude. He was feeding these people. And at one point, there was an argument that he could be possibly best best point guard in the league. I'm saying like 2012, Derrick Rose got hurt. Steve Nash yeah. is kind of old in, in, in that way. So I think it's important to realize we all have a role to play. Not everyone's going to score, whatever. I'm going to throw this last piece of sort of advice you can give us. I, I like to do this sometimes. Because I think me and you are in a really similar spot. We make no money because we work for a nonprofit, but we went to <laughs> Franciscan and got a degree. Basically identical spots. But I, I think sometimes I have a little bit of a uh, sort of dilemma in my head. Not a Matt Frad dilemma, a different kind of dilemma. Maybe it's like the PVK dilemma. Where in my mind, where I'm really trying to minister to is like the high school version of me, maybe the high school version of you. You know, normal yeah. kids who really are looking for people to be a witness and say, I can be him and be Catholic. Not like I have to be weird. Like you're saying, I have to be someone else, but I can be myself and still be Catholic because I see Kyle. I see Miko. That's what I really hope to reach. I doubt those kids are somehow finding our podcast and we resort to, you know, the many different types of people. We have this guy, Colin from Ireland. That's like our realest one. He's watching all the time, always commenting. Um, we are friends, Gracia and Sergio who are now in Indiana. And then, you know, I got a few of the boys. I'm sure Joff's going to listen to this. Marty, you know, Kyle tunes in sometimes, maybe. Who knows? There's some, some people that listen. I've thought, I've thought a couple. I've thought a couple, but yeah. yeah. you know, it's here and there. But I think uh, sort of it's important for people like us to sort of give some advice. Like we're in this spot that's like we're taking that sort of leap, right? You're in this not super comfortable position where you'd really want like your own house and you got things figured out and no debt and, you know, you're in sales and you're just making money. You're ready to fly back into Franciscan. And just, you know, to let everybody know how, how good everything's going. But the reality is, is, you know, you're working for a nonprofit or whatever. So I think, like, what's some advice that you could give as a 25-year-old who has um, just been really following God's lead, I think, in a lot of things? I think that's the important part to, to take away from sort of at least your, your story. I think the biggest advice would be is that as much as everyone likes to think they're special because maybe they have a college degree, is that if you got a bill to pay, you got to go get a job. You got to take extra time. Like, yeah, I work for Tobit's 40 hours a week. That's my full-time job. But I make a little bit of sales commission, right? But I only get paid every three months. So maybe five months ago, it's like, man, I am going to be out of money in three weeks. And I did. I had to start door dashing. And that was like, that was a little humbling. That was a little embarrassing on some level. It's like, man, I have a college degree and I've made good money before, but because I decided to do ministry, I've got a door dash and this sucks and you know i've had all plenty of other odd jobs i try to do fun ones like i like to dj things you know i work at a fireworks stand i do tequila demos like those are all stupid jobs i produce a podcast every one of those makes real money but for like that one month i had to like door dash and i think that the real thing to realize is that just because you're doing ministry it means on some level That if you're doing the right thing, God will provide. But God may not provide the way you want him to. God may not provide in the form of a donor who's going to take care of your problems. God may provide from you doing some Googling and thinking, you know what? I've got some spare afternoons. I can go make this money because I'm going to do this mission and I'm going to find a way. And to just lose lose the pride. Because if you're convinced you're going to follow God's plan for a mission in a cool way, then you're doing it wrong. Like I'm not saying like don't be cool. Like, yeah, be chill. But, uh, yeah, it's, you have to drop the ego because it just doesn't it doesn't work otherwise. You know, that's the thing that, and things that you've been saying is drop the ego. I think that's absolutely massive for life in general and especially life in ministry because uh, there's no ego in this game, baby. It's just one soul at a time. That's, that's all that <laughs> absolutely matters. Absolutely not. <laughs> just one soul at a time. Um, and with that, man, this has been such a pl- I knew we were going to have so much fun. And now I'm really thinking about this. I'm thinking about this basketball phase podcast. And you may see Kyle. <laughs> I mean, look at the setup Kyle's got, right? We belong. I don't know which. He's right over here. We belong together. On the, Look at this thing. We're going to have some sort of segment coming to your eyes away. Regardless if you ask for it or not, I'm here to have fun. And um, yeah, with that, I'm going to leave things. You know, you know, Kyle, I've been really working on my editing. So I'm going to have, you know, things to the show we're gonna have that down below here in a, oh, yeah. in a little description uh i'm gonna be kyle's instagram is already gonna be up you guys would have seen it by now um is there anything else you want to shout out kyle that i could put in the description or maybe a little uh, picture t- or something 
Uh, Tobit.org, the, uh, the nonprofit I work for. I would love to have that out there. Not our Instagram, because our Instagram is not the world's greatest. I'm working on it. I finally got a little bit of control over it. Okay. But uh, yeah, throw Tobit.org, and I can text you that link. I yeah. would love some promo for that. Okay, yeah, there you go, toby.org. Hey, guys, Theology of the Body is not just about marriage. There's a lot to it, right? There's a lot to unpack. Kyle's here to help you guys unpack that. Um, and you know, with that, it's, it's another episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening if you made it this far. You guys are a real one. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you so much for being on. It was awesome catching up. Um, until the next one, guys, God's peace. <laughs>